listen and subscribe to The Table of Truth on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Welcome everybody to Blurred Lines. This is your man Cam. We are here close to the end of our expanse journey. We're uh, going to recap episode five right before our last episode. With me as always is the other Cam, Cam Square, aka the last action Negro. As well as this is Josh, aka the Caribbean Dark Lord of the Sith, known as Darth Coconut. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. And as always, <laughs> the professor, excuse me, the professor, got to put on that, you breaking out, the, the professor, D, I have nothing to add, because Darth Coconut might smite me after that one. <laughs> it's got me in this grip, man, that and, uh, was funny. And so we are back, We're, this is the uh, the fifth episode of The Expanse, we only have one more after this. Um, this episode's title entitled Why We Fight. We have a bunch of converging things, but then the main thing, as I was saying before, is holding be holding in. <laughs> let me let me start off. I, I missed the last episode. Um and I I just didn't realize how much holding doesn't take in consideration of the other person and their feelings. Um oh, he's horribly selfish. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and in this episode, there was a point where um, not Alex. Was was the 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 guy that was that the, that's chilling with Peaches? I can't think of his name right now. Amos. 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 Amos was like, there's a point where he's like doing shit that's fucking up, but then he also saves the planet, <laughs> like <he> saves the <laughs> galaxy. <laughs> I, like, like I guess that shit. I guess that evens out. So yeah. he saves humanity what, like three times. I guess he could do dumb some dumb some dumb shit here and there. Yeah. <laughs> um, question to the the resident. Uh, expansologist professor, what are those creatures that are just like the Lazarus pit in every beginning episode? <laughs> like, I got questions. Like the Laconia, the, the Laconia dogs. Yeah, like, like obviously there's something tied in, especially from the previous episode, episode four, when we see a, a major character that you broke down. Um, and I'm trying to figure out like the kid. Like, why was she trying to be found by her parents? Why she wasn't spooked by seeing her brother alive and apparently looking a little bit weird? Uh, why is Dylan supervising this child? Yeah. <laughs> like, what, what? If what? If you, without trying to give too much spoilers, like, what are these creatures? What is the backstory on these creatures? Um, I didn't know it was more than one. I just thought it was one. What we see, there's like three of them, three or four of them that come out. Um, what is their purpose? Like, I'm just confused. But I know in the last episode, this is all going to tie in somehow. I got a feeling it will be. But it's just like, where are they going with this? Like, any, can you expand on that a little bit? Oh, hey, you're muted. You're muted. You're muted, bro. Can you hear me? Can you yeah, hear yeah. me? Am I here? <laughs> Without spoiling what is uh, coming, um, on the horizon. So I will just recap some of the what five scenes that we've had the the mm -hmm. the code open. So the thing is in this society in this culture um 
they're all scientists, right? So this is the daughter of a, she's like a prodigy. So she's not approaching these things as fearful of the unknown or the other as much as, okay, I, I'm seeing scientific um, wonders before my own eyes. So when she, for her, the creatures, they have a base knowledge of the fact that humans wouldn't be desirable to these creatures um, to consume because everything in Laconia evolved differently. So they wouldn't consume us. So there's no need to be afraid of them trying to eat us because it, it would be deadly to them. So there's that fear gone out the window. So they just, all that remains is the curiosity. So she's just a kid going out exploring again, her life is mostly built around science and math and technology and things like that. Um, so when she discovers that, you know, there are these, she had been, when we first see her, you hear her cataloging the different types of Laconian uh, flora and, uh, and natural life. She's, and so then she encounters uh, the, the birds, one dies and she sees the dog the dog, the dog takes the bird and first fix the drone, which is the first sort of foreshadowing of where they were, where this thing was going. Then it fixes the bird. So she learns that those, that these uh, creatures can uh, actually rebuild and uh, uh, re, re, rebuild and restore any type of mechanism whether it be organic or inorganic if it lived <clears throat> and it stopped working they can fix it that makes um, sense can kid fix the drone and then he fix the the little birdie right the birdie, so she's, but, okay they show I, didn't, I didn't i didn't put two to get together that they fixed the drone i just thought something else had happened yeah something no mm -hmm. they okay. fixed they fixed the drone and they and she and she realized that then the, it brought the bird back and then she saw she understood it now they didn't see those creatures until the military arrived and activated the stick moons above with the mm -hmm. proto-molecule. So remember how you said, you had asked me, you, you had said before in the previous episode, the proto-molecule hasn't had any kind of presence on the series. Well, it has. It's just really been more subtle than the way it started, where it was like big in your face. It's moved to the background because at this point, the human characters, some of them have figured out how to actually use it. Mm -hmm. And so to their adv advantage, like the little girl. So there's a parallel to what's going on above. The military is figuring out applications of the protomolecule down below. She's stumbling into applications of the protomolecule. So I don't know how they're going to, and I probably just gave away a little bit, in terms of knowing that the dogs are obviously connected to the protomolecule and to uh, the ancient alien uh, tech that's left behind on the gotcha. planet. Gotcha. And we've seen this from the protomolecule before, that it has the ability to either restore life, prolong life, or just completely house consciousness. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, I think that's, <clears throat> especially just for like, that intro part that kind of gives more context in general. Yeah. The other thing mm -hmm. too was um, in this one we see uh, we see they'll 
the freaking planetary rail guns, which is freaking bananas, by the way. Um, and like legit, just like de like demolished a full on what eight warships, uh, Martian warships or something like that. And then, yeah, now so this is Martian then, warships, <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I'm gonna say. So, that that's the thing that was so crazy because, again, one, it's a rail gun, which is already like the, the best gun in the show, uh, establishes the best gun in the show. It's the reason why the Rossi is always like kind of um, a little bit ahead of everybody else because their rail gun is one of the only ones that's like dope, uh, in, in the gal in the this galaxy, anyways, but then two, Having the railgun on an actual planet and having six of them, no less, literally means like the everybody else cannot touch these dudes like ever. <laughs> Wait, so so that's what I was. Indeed, you could probably answer this. Like, I didn't know the railgun was that most like important because you would think a missile or a warhead would be like the the trump card, but it seems like the railgun is like the ultimate weapon in this universe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the rail gun is the rail gun is is a pure like almost a battery energy shot. Like it's mm -hmm. like boom, like it'll it'll cut through anything. And it also is, I think, and I could be wrong as far as the science goes, because of its the energy that it's applying, it doesn't have to. It it isn't slowed by the by the rules of the laws of physics or the laws of physics. So a torpedo can maneuver and all those things. Uh, but the fact that it has to work against inertia means that the target can slide by or, you know, do as we've seen with the Rossi do different things to avoid that direct contact. Mm -hmm. Um, with a rail gun, not so much, and specifically these rail guns, because as they examine, these rail guns were not or Martian design, but with a little bit extra. Yeah, so that was you can probably guess where they came yeah, from. And they already said they were the entrance they to the, the, uh, the ring gate. Already I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that, that, that's cool. Yeah, he didn't mine it. <laughs> he didn't mine it. Six rail guns is not mining it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, so was there any indication of these rail guns being placed on this planet? I like this is the first time. Okay, what, what, where? In episode, in, episode, in the first episode, uh, uh, Rosenfeld, first episode, Rosenfeld tells Marco that the Laconians have uh, began work on their on the installations. The second uh, episode, the second time it was in maybe episode three after the fight. After he loses the fight with um, with uh, the Rasanati, there's a report from Medina Station that um, that confirms that the rail guns were complete because um, they said that um, they think the line was they showed an image of the of a ship coming through the ring and it didn't look like any ship that, that had ever been shown on the show. And that's all I'll say about the ship. Um, <laughs> And the person said, um, the belter said that if this performs like the previous uh, asset, then we're going to have a lot of fun. And I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure he was talking about the rail gun. See, I didn't catch that part. Okay. Yeah. Well, again, some things I pick up on because of I, I read the book. 
Now, having no knowledge of that, you have to be, you have to pay attention to almost everything said and everything shown. Yeah, that's kind of like the thing I've noticed the most. It's like when I watch the episode twice, that's when I pick up on the, the second mm-hmm. parts. And so yeah. then it's like, plus they do a really good job of like really, when they mention something, it's yeah. never just mentioned just to be mentioned. Like everyone's play, everything's placed in there for a reason. So yeah. <clears throat> if they're saying, you know, oh, Ceres has no water and no food, then Drummer rolls up with a bunch of water and food. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, okay. And it kind of, adds that aspect of it um i thought the other aspect of it too with um holden too because again holden being the selfish dude selfish uh boy scout that he is he goes he goes to avicerella and basically is on some like yo this other thing that's going on happened we need to let marcos know and he's like bitch (laughs) (laughs) we had a war we're trying to kill this dude we're not trying to help him what are you doing he's like one problem at a time (laughs) yeah but then he's one to talk considering that he just let him live so exactly right right exactly so it's like holding holding beholdening a lot these days (laughs) yeah and she she instantly always calls him out on it because i my favorite quote from both the book and the show was when she tells him on when when she sends him to illa she's like uh, and she's like, and do not stick your dick in the situation, Holden. No, here, do not stick your dick in the Holden. The situation is fucked as is. And then, and then like, just ended the call. And I was like, the best line in the series. The best line because it's it's those mo- those moments like that that remind you of who the characters are at their core. Like, yes. that's who Avasarala is at her. Core, yeah. and she understands who Holden is at his core. As soon mm-hmm. as he gets to that planet and he sees some kind of injustice or big, big picture mm-hmm. thing going on, he's gonna insert himself and he's gonna fuck the whole situation up. Exactly. Right where it is. Well, that's and also they got where they are, and that's how um, when uh, when Bobby was talking to Amos and he was kind of just like on some. You know, first of all, the scene of Amos coming in drunk with glitter and scratches on his uh, neck, and she and she was just like, "Yo, is that glitter?" And he's like, "Yep." Is that scratches? He's like, "Yep." Yep. <laughs> but I like that in that moment, Bobby playing the role of the the conscious, which is Alex, you know, former role, um, and he was just kind of telling her that you know Holden's the one that did, that uh, disarmed the nuke, and she starts laughing. Because she knows who Holden is, and that makes perfect mm-hmm. sense for his character. So yeah. that's why she's not even mad. She's just like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. He saw the kid there, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's being his Boy Scout self as opposed to thinking on the larger term of, oh, I could have killed Marcos and this shit would have been over. <laughs> you know what's crazy? They're both right. Uh, Holden's right and uh, Naomi and Amos are right because yep. it's, it is war. Yep. And yep. the son chose a side. Now, uh, what we know. But what the other people don't know on the other side is that the son is still conflicted. Yeah, he right. has he, he still has bouts, especially when he he's put on the lesser tier and sees the other side of his his yep. this war and his dad's yep. decision yeah, making. Really good stuff for Phillips uh, <laughs> character. Yeah, even um, in his uh, even in in the Free Navy itself, Marco is creating victims um, yeah. and and using people. You know that. I think the really thing, the thing that changed everything for Philip was when he learned that this guy is going to have to live with the fact that not only did he, he's sitting in a, in a cell for insubordination and he's the one that planted the bomb that ultimately killed his brother to, to, mm-hmm. because Marco told him that was the right thing to do. Um, and and Philip even didn't agree with, with leaving them all there 
and he really didn't like the idea of sabotaging the station so that they, you know, these supplies would be even would be gone. You know, no water. Again, that's the ultimate no no for belters. Like you do not mess with the water, the air, and the food. Like if you do that, you're public enemy number one. That's why they hate the inner so much. Is because because they for for decades held that over them as a as a means of suppression of oppression. So let, let me let, let me let me say this for the son, you can't be a halfway gangster. You can't at one minute be like, Oh, I'm all about my pops and his movement, but have these conflicted feelings when you see the others. You gotta choose. Yeah, you gotta make and, a choice. That's true. That's yeah, true. And, I, and I think for mm-hmm. his character for this season, you got to see that kind of growth through the whole situation. Like mm-hmm. I did I did everything, I'm a hero, quote quote, get checked by his own friend, kills his friend, feels bad about it actually finally challenges his dad but then gets bumped down to the basement then he learns then being in the basement he's like oh shit this is like some real consequences for the regular wait 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 how old is he he's still a kid he's in the book he's about well the actor's obviously an adult but yeah in the books he's supposed to be about 16 when it all breaks out and by Mm. about eight i think close to 18 when it's when it's all said and done so um He's not hard. He's not battle hardened yet. Yeah. No, exactly. that's why I was going to say, like, baby. the stuff you pointed out, Cam, was that's the perspective you gain after, uh, you, you know, when you become an adult and you've experienced quite a bit. For him, it was surface level things that were used to manipulate him. You're a hero. And now he's had to reevaluate what that means. His time with Naomi made him think about that. You know, she wasn't not that he cared what entirely what she thought but at the same time that's still his mother and Mm -hmm. to see her reviled by his very something that he did and then that allowed him to think about it you know you killed billions of people Mm -hmm. who did not know you and quite frankly probably had nothing to do with your beef um but you killed them and that's you know again that there's no there's no coming back from that that's a moral event horizon <laughs> you yeah. know so so he's he's and he's only a teenager yeah. so he's got a lot to pull himself through and right now he's not in the best place uh, to do that yeah but i think they did a really good job in this episode of i think you were the one who pointed this out for amos and it sort of just cascaded for me with the rest of the episode um each character has a perspective shift in that last episode avasarala has a perspective shift bobby has a perspective shift holden has holden gets told about himself (laughs) i don't know if he's gonna change so i don't know if he has a a shift well it generally has an impact on his when he's told about himself it generally usually has an impact on his that's true yeah that's true that's true. true But yeah. yeah, everyone like Amos had a perspective shift about the whole thing with uh with disarming the nuke. Bobby kind of didn't. <laughs> she was like, "It's holding. What are you like? Come on, <laughs> like yeah. you're not, you can't be surprised." And you know that he, if he did it, there was a good, you know, the, the it 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 was a it was an act of conscience. She didn't say that, but that's what she was kind of intimating. Yeah, and then also she checked Avicerella uh, as well, which I which she probably kind of needed in terms of a. Uh, um, she was getting a little too softy, even for her. And then, um, mm-hmm. and then the last person we haven't talked about is Drummer, 
which mm. and i'll say this for our Another uh, shift. Star, star trek star trek discovery fans this is how you deal with someone crying on a show <laughs> <laughs> she has not cried in like five seasons she like teared up when like i think ashford died and she was like mm-hmm. sighing when fred johnson died which are two mentors then when her uh two of her spouses got killed she was kind of like <sighs> And even this one, she broke up with her other two spouses, and then she finally broke down. Like this actually is like all that pent up freaking aggression and crazy shit. This is like the one moment she finally like broke down after like literally all the shit that she's been through, which is like now it made that seem even more powerful than general. Well, it's earned. They they worked up to it. They 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 piled a bunch of stuff on the character, and she snapped. Which is how people sort you know people ain't just like you see you put it perfectly. You know, everybody's not crying at every, you know, at every, you know, at every t- twist of the breeze. It, it's got to be a buildup. It's got to be, you know, in, in, in realistic terms, unless you're just hypersensitive, which most people are not. It has to be a buildup of things. And, and, on, and in a television show, it needs to be something you work your way towards. Damn. Yeah, there, it has to it has to be earned because and then the other thing is you have to have build a connection between the audience and the the character right we've we've had this connection and i thought it was very appropriate that and just really hard when you see that she's avoiding naomi and we know a little bit why she's avoiding naomi because naomi quite frankly her decision to help Holden and Rasenati and Defy Marco is the beginning of the end of her family. You know, she she loses three of them from that decision alone, <laughs> you know. Um, and so, you know, we can't know if Naomi reached out to her in between that time. They didn't address that. And it didn't seem like Drummer was upset about it because realistically, they understand the situations that they occupy. There's no time for them to you know, exchange text messages. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that and all that stuff. So, um, and it's not as easy as all that. So um, when she sees Naomi in the airlock between, uh, bridge between her ship and uh, uh, Ceres, it was a great moment because she, right before that, it was a heartbreaking moment because right, Mm -hmm. that's the first time those two characters who we know are friends and have a great bond, and our belters, uh, the two belter characters who I think have tried to do the most neutral right thing in terms of going against their own people more than I think Holden has had to, or in Amos, don't matter. He don't really have no people. <laughs> his people are his people, um, not any ethnic or cultural connections. And so um, seeing uh, Naomi in that moment, right after she now just lost the final two members of her family. Uh, again, it was it was just perfectly framed, perfectly blocked, because it, it's a crossway between two, two a station and the ship. They meet on that on that bridge. And just to have that moment where a drummer clearly needs her friend to reaffirm something for her, which is she knows what she has to do. She knows that she has to meet with Abbasarala. She knows that she has to join join her ships and her fleet mm-hmm. with theirs in order for her to survive. But she doesn't, she does not want to be seen as again what Sandrini, and I can't wait till a bullet goes through her head, 
uh, uh, <laughs> says, uh, <laughs> said, uh, when she goes, uh, drummer, how do you feel being the, the Ender's lap dog? It's like, what? I just brought you food. What are you talking about? <laughs> he, he, Marco took it away. What are you talking about? But I like that because it still shows that there's not one way of thinking in these people, mm -hmm. no matter if you're on Marco's side or you're indifferent to Marco, whether you on drummer's side or you're indifferent to drummer. Like, there's so many complexions of this conflict, of this narrative, and you see it in all of the characters, even the ones that don't even matter as much in the grand scheme, like Sandrini. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Quick, quick, quick question before we move on. Um, the, uh, can you per, uh, explain the relationship between like drummer and like uh, Joseph and Michi Michio? Like, because I was like, were they once lovers or like how does this work? And Poly yeah, they had a polyamorous poly relationship. Yeah, they're a polyamorous gotcha. uh, marriage. They were that in four, right? Uh, in see, I think in season five there was yeah, one, two, like four, right? Two three, four, five. five, actually. Yeah, there's five yep. including drummer. So they're yeah. all her spouses. Yeah. yeah, that's what it was. And then when two of them got killed in the battle, one got spaced, and then she was gonna drop off Michi with the uh, other dude, but then she saved the other dude, which got his arm chopped off, and then they stayed out series. No, so yeah, no. she went from five to zero. Two left her. Two left her. Oh well. yeah, they went. They, they they went to Marco. Yep, that's right. Well, they didn't say if they went to Marco or not. I don't think they have let. They left that open ended. Whether they okay. they just they did not want to cross him because they knew the consequences. And but I thought they didn't want to cross him. And their reasoning was, yeah, their their thought process was, yo, if we join up, we'll be good. Well, yeah, but they also knew that if they joined up and if they didn't join up. Eventually, he was going to send someone to take them out and or right. to, to kill them and take their ships and what they have. So they were more so they didn't disagree with Naomi in terms of, you know, or even that agree with Marco with what he did with mm -hmm. uh, as far as dropping the, the rocks and, and all that stuff. But they're belters, so they don't have any reason to feel bad for it. And then the other thing is they they knew, again, because he had exchanged the hostage thing, that if they defied him, him at that point, it meant that Serge, her husband, on the ship with Marco, who was alone by himself, would be killed. Yeah. And I think that is what broke the two, made the two see, okay, when it comes down to it, if it's Choosing between Naomi and the Rasanati, we probably gonna get the short end of the stick. Like that was a clear example right there. Because mm -hmm. yeah, it's a good point, and, it's, and they weren't wrong actually. Yeah, yeah, thanks for clearing that up. Because I was just like, I felt like there was some poly thing going on, but I, I I didn't catch it. Yeah, but that's the culture of the Belters and whatnot. So well, that's just that's just the 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 kind. Well, yeah, because I would say there are relate there are poly relationships on Earth in that time. Um, and it's just really just there aren't any kind of restrictions on marriage anymore in that world. Yeah, like, it's like less. That's why I was like, I think they did a good job of showing it as just yeah. being a a thing within this world, as opposed yeah. to anything taboo or weird or whatever. Which is like this is yeah. what it is, and then they kind of showed that aspect of it. Yeah, she's um, not the then, only poly, uh, poly in the story. She's not the only pop, the only one that you've seen on the show. But yeah. in that world. There's like as many poly uh, gotcha. as spouses and relationships as there are yeah. uh, 
And so then so, now so, to to wrap everything up, I would say the ending of it with Abyssarala meeting Drummer on series coming off of her ship. Because again, like she's like the top person of all of the enters, which is kind of crazy. And she comes down and meets her and they have a face to face. And I thought it was a dope moment just because one, you have two characters that are obviously uh, well respected on both sides. Both of them have a lot of power. And then they're also understanding of each other. One, can't really trust you, but at the same time, both have the same enemies. So we got to trust each other a little bit. But then also at the same time, neither person by doing this alliance looks weak. It actually just strengthens both of them. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, what you, the optics of it is that when Drummer presents her terms in front of her own people, mm-hmm. Avasala reg- uh, uh, agrees to it, which gives the Belters the belief that Oliko. We're still in charge of our own way. We're yep. doing things, even though we're trying to go for a greater good. Yep. Avasala, who's been hardened through five seasons of losing <laughs> her husband, making bad decisions, rushing in, has learned yeah. like to see some of this power to understand to get to the greater good. Because she understands like her side doesn't really want the enters to have control. But she's learned through experience in order to get the work to the greater goal, she has to concede some of this this power and, and, and join forces because she she was the one that made that choice to rush in before and got half her fleet destroyed. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. This is why she made that conscious decision to be like, no, nah, I'm not running in like last time. But she also questioned it because she's like, well, damn, am I getting too soft? Like, you know what I'm saying? So there's that like gamut of decision-making that she yeah. has to struggle with. Yeah. Whereas right now, the pillar of of uh, making sense has been uh, her, her, her bodyguard in the sense telling her like, yo, man up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you made a mistake, but let's not fall on our, our, our laurels and forget why we're here. Like, yeah, you're going to make mistakes. That's the part of being a boss, which you are. But again, you keep moving forward. You know, we still fight. Yeah. That's been like a, a common theme the last few episodes with a few different characters, even with Anus, yeah. Yeah. Avasala, Holden, yep. Naomi. Yep. Shit, even the son. Like, I mean, yeah, that forward. last episode yeah. literally is titled Why We why Fight. We fight. Yeah. Why yeah. We Fight. Yeah. And it's kind of cool because they keep that they keep that with each one of the characters so just to kind of remind them of why they're there in the first place. And even yeah. when Amos had his like like conscious uh, slight doubt, he had he still had someone else to kind of pull him back to where he needs to be just to make sure that he wouldn't you know be Amos. <laughs> but I mean, Amos is a great perspective character. Like he's always he he always if like he's almost like the voice of the viewer in 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 a, in a sense. Because every time there's a reason to doubt, every time there's a reason to be like, well, you know, I, I could go this way, but, you know, and the average person might even go this way. But, you know, I have my friends to sort of yank me back and sort of keep me on the straight and narrow. Um, but just the, to pivot back to the scene with Avasarala and um, and Drummer, but just the, the aesthetic of two minority women who are probably arguably the most powerful women on that show was just a great visual like the way they framed it the way they blocked it the way the the just how they situated it in terms yeah. of just doing it in front of all the belters mm-hmm. the most oppressed people on the show with it was just there were so many things that made that scene work and resonate in such a great 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 way it was just great television so are you saying it's a better girl power scene than the end game um, yeah. yeah, I want to say yes because well, I, mean, like, exactly, I want to say that's the first time those two characters meet on screen. It is, I yeah, exactly. I would say that, I would say that one thing that oh, go ahead, James. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. 
I was going to say the one thing that the show does really well is like there's no um, oversimplification of a this is a strong woman character. It's just like this character is dope, right? And she's a woman. <laughs> yeah. You know? um, um, all right. So we just get that through the thick skulls that you don't need to make it. You know, a black character or a female character or this character or that. Just write the damn character. Yep. Make good characters, and you can do it. Yeah. Um, just make good. Just make good characters, and you'll be fine. So I'm gonna wrap, we'll, we'll wrap it here. We only got one episode left. I'm gonna go to D'Angelo. What's the what's the you know, they only got about 90 minutes left of the show. Mm-hmm. We know that they're probably gonna do something more, but yeah. we're close to like landing the plane. They're pretty much landed it, but I think is there anything else left that you think that you're curious to see if they if they pull out? No, based on what they've set up and where they where they're going, um I think all all things come to a head in this last episode. Um, they've built the right way. Um, the storylines that they could pull from the book, they did it in a great way that didn't allow that allowed them to take everything they needed without making it so much or convoluted, and also um, with keeping it moving forward. Um, the storyline with the drummer and the stealing Mar- Marco, the stuff from Marco, that was played out over several chapters, like just because of the fact that she wasn't just doing that, she was stealing it and she was also doing some piracy and all that stuff. But all of that to say, I think it's coming together real nicely. I don't, I don't have any I don't want to say anything that might be a potential spoiler. So I'll just I'll just say the one thing that I'm I'm looking most forward to is how they uh, reconcile what they've already established on the show for Laconia. That's about mm-hmm. it in the Laconian storyline. That that's about the only thing that I think right now, if I were someone who had not read the books, I would be wondering what's going on. Um, yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, all right, all right. Well, we'll end it there. We got one more episode left, fellas. Once again, always enlightening. Um, yeah, we got one more. I think, I think what D'Angelo was saying, it might be like a 90 minute episode, so it might be dope. Um, but yeah, you'll get you'll catch our reactions. And this is uh, this is Blurred Lines Expanse recap episode five. And we are out. Peace. Peace.